What up, what up, what up? This is your man, Mr. 313 Real Estate. Once again, on the Bag Talk Podcast. My man, uh, one time, could not make it today. But one time, we'll be back soon. So, we're going to talk a little sports. We're going to do a little, uh, talk a little NBA. We... We'll talk about the little uh, NBA East preview. Um, kind of like a projection of the season, preseason picks. Uh, we'll also get into uh, college football over the weekend. We're going to get into a little business stuff too. We're going to talk about a little game for um, X-Cons and... Uh, some of the things that they can do uh, once they get out. Kind of like the real deal work release program. You dig? So we're going to jump into sports first. We're going to get into the college football. It was kind of like a light weekend. We're going to get into Michigan shortly. Um, we're going we're gonna to get into the Penn State-Ohio State game. Penn State uh, hosted the Buckeyes on Saturday night. Uh, primetime game. Very, very good game. Very entertaining. Uh, Penn State pretty much dominated the game um, throughout. Uh, you know, they... Uh, I mean, pretty much they jumped out 13-0. Um but a little bit risky plays. I mean, to me, Penn State really blew this game. I mean, I think, you know, they was talking about Dwayne Haskins. Um, you know, they were talking about him being a Heisman candidate. You know, him being right behind, uh, you know, Tua Tietvagaloa. You know, putting him over Oregon's quarterback. I can't remember his name. Um, Oklahoma's quarterback. I mean, quarterback is in the mix. Um, Trace McSorley. Trace McSorley played his ass off um, Saturday night. I mean, he was pretty much a one-man show. He had almost 500 total yards passing, um, which is ridiculous. It, it, it was a ridiculous. Uh, what was his stats? Let's, let's look up Trace McSorley's stats real quick. Okay, he had 286 yards passing. He wasn't that efficient. He was only 50%. That's my only knock on McSorley as a passer is he he makes some great throws. Like his 16 completions, they were all great throws, but a lot of the basic throws that you need to make in the NFL from the pocket, he's kind of reminds me of Doug Flutie. He makes a lot of backyard throws. So, in essence, or, or Jake Plummer, like, the throws that he does make, they're big throws. Like, you know, they like spectacular throws. Some things you would see, like, you're just playing backyard football, those type of throws. Running, and you just lob it over. And it's But all, like, just the basic offense throws, he, he struggles with that sometimes. And, he, and we saw that he only threw for 50%, which is not good. But he had 286 yards passing, two touchdowns. In rushing, he had 175 yards rushing. That's 25 rushes. Um, 
what Ohio State did was what you should do against this type of offense to stop the run. They they took everyone else out of it. They was like, okay, trace me so that you're gonna have to just beat us by yourself. We're not gonna let you and every we're not gonna let everybody get involved. Is what happens to teams when you play Penn State, especially last year, like when Michigan played them. It was just everybody got their turn. I mean, Jasicki, the tight end, the wide receivers, the running backs, you know, Saquon Barkley, McSorley, everybody. So I think Ohio State was like saying, like, basically, we're going to take everything away. We're going to take away the easy passes, the bubble screens, the screen passes. We're going to take all that away. We're going to force you to just, you're going to have to make a play every single time. And, and I think he got a little tired. I think he, I think they wore him down a little bit, and which enabled them to kind of get back in the game in the fourth quarter. But I question James Franklin, um, particularly at the end of the third quarter, fourth and one. You were only down one at that point. I know it was fourth and inches, but still, you take the points. You bring the field goal out there, and that was the difference because. You know, you you come back and you get the lead, and what they have an they had an eleven point lead because it was twenty seven, it was twenty six to fourteen, right? So it really would have been twenty nine fourteen, okay? And so instead of having a twelve point lead, okay, you would have had a fifteen point lead. So that would have forced Ohio State if it was if it was basically. You know, 30 to 14. No, I'm sorry. It would have been because they went for two, right? So they would have got 27. It would have been 30. It would have been 30 to 14. So we had a 16 point lead. So basically, you would have you've been up by 16. So Iowa State would have to score and do two two point conversions. Now, I wish they could have done, but st- even still, if they had done that, the game would just be tied. And then now there's much pressures on you to score. Okay, it's a totally different type of play calling um, situation. But he didn't. They didn't go for it. Conversely, they were only up by um, you know 12 points because by them not going for it, well, it made it cut it to 13. Now it cuts 11 because Penn State had to go for the two point conversion, so they even lost another point because they wanted to be up 28 to 14. When they got up 26 to 14, they went for two. So they lost another point. So they lost four points in, in that situation. Um, so four points was uh, taken away from Penn State, which would have been the difference. But, you know, it's 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 done and over with now. Um, Ohio State moves on. Penn State loses a game. And, and not to mention still, I mean, the fourth and five call, that's one of the worst play calls I've seen. That's Lioness type shit. The, the Litany Lions were playing like the Detroit Lions. Um, it's fourth and five. And I could tell something wasn't right when they kept changing the play. They kept changing the play. They kept looking on the sideline. You got Tristan sorely. Very good quarterback, very experienced. You just put the ball in his hands and you let him make a play. To me, I would have made a play where he you roll him out the pocket, you possibly roll him out, and you give him the option of running it, 
you know, you, you keep your tight end in there of, of running the football. You, you, you shade somebody over. And, and you and you let Tress McSorley that, make that play. To just hand it off to your running back. You know, that's a, that's a play you try earlier in, in downs to see if it pops. You don't, you don't do a running play on fourth and five. You just don't. You know, it's just it just wasn't there. It's, it was too risky. You got to put the ball in Trace McSorley's hands. I mean, even if Saquon Barkley was there, I don't think you run the football on fourth and five. There's just no situation where you do that. You know, if it's Reggie Bush, if it's Adrian Peterson, it doesn't matter. You don't run it. You, you throw the football, especially when you got a quarterback like McSorley. You, you throw the ball and you see what happens. But... So, you know, this puts Ohio State, State in the driver's seat. Um, they don't have to play Wisconsin this year, um, which is different from everybody else uh, because Penn State, Michigan State, and Michigan have to play Wisconsin. Ohio State hosts Nebraska, so they avoided Wisconsin this year. Um, so now all they have left, they got to play at Michigan State, and they host Michigan. Was that correct? Yeah, they, they, they play at Michigan State, which they have not played well as of late. So that's no guarantee game. Um, I think the last time they won there was maybe three years ago. The last time they were there, uh, I think they barely won. You know, they barely won. I think it was like 16-13, something like that. So... You know, and, and I think the time before that, I think Michigan State actually went into Ohio State and beat them with a backup quarterback. So, this is it's going to be an interesting game. You know, Michigan State, Ohio State is it was only that one time I think maybe four years ago when when they had Ezekiel Elliott and, and they and they blew Ohio State out. But and well, they blew them out last year. I mean, what happened last year here in Michigan State that was that was horrible. That was even, and I hate Michigan State. That was even horrible for me to watch, being a Michigan fan. But so those are their two major games really left. I mean, you got at Michigan State, they host Michigan. Who knows how that game was going to turn out? That's just the whole thing within itself. So we'll get to that when it's due. Um, so this definitely changes the Big Ten. Uh, it kind of makes Penn State out. I mean. If you're Penn State, I just don't see, you know, basically, you're basically saying you have to run the table. So you got to beat Wisconsin still. You got to beat Michigan State. And you got to beat Michigan on the road. I think you got Michigan State on the road. And I think you have Wisconsin at home. Okay. So they have to play Wisconsin, if I'm not mistaken. Let me see. Look at Penn State schedule. So Penn State. So they got the bye week. So they got to play Michigan State next. So they're off. They got they they're at Michigan State. They home to Michigan State. Um, they got to play. They home to Iowa. That's gonna be a tough game too. You know that's gonna be a tough game. They play at. They play at Michigan, then they host Wisconsin. So they got Michigan and Wisconsin back to back. So basically, they're gonna have to run the table. They're gonna hope have to hope that either 
Michigan or Michigan State beats Ohio State. So they need both they need both of those teams to beat Michigan State. I just don't think that's possible. I think Penn State's out. You know, I think they're out. I don't see you know, I don't see a two loss team winning the Big Ten East. Maybe on the other side, but on the east side, I don't see it, you know. That's why I think Michigan has to take care of business, you know, and just see what happens when they play Ohio State. That might be for the whole thing because I doubt, I don't see Ohio State losing to Michigan State and Michigan. Um, it's possible. It could happen. I, I just think, you know, one of them is going to beat Ohio State, I feel. If Michigan State don't do it, Michigan's going to do it. One of them's going to be Ohio State. I think it helps. I hope we. I I really hope that you know Ohio State's undefeated. I think it's better if they're undefeated when we play them because it's like when they play. If they lose Michigan State, then they play us. It's like they get back on track. They get. You know, they get back down to earth and they play a little bit harder. And that's what happened to us, I think, four years ago. You know, Michigan State had a backup quarterback. They still lost. They were kind of playing around, didn't take it seriously. They lost. And then, like, Ezekiel Elliott, like, got, like, 40 carries and he rushed for 200 yards. You know, I really think that wouldn't have happened if they would have beat Michigan State. But who knows? Maybe it wouldn't have made – maybe it wouldn't have mattered. And um, the other big game was Notre Dame and uh, Stanford. Notre Dame, you know, they took care of business. It was no way Stanford. That was a schedule win. That's like an NBA back-to-back. That's like the Texas two-step. That's like when you have to play at Houston and then the next day at San Antonio. I mean, that's just very difficult to do. You know, very rarely are you going to, if you play a tough grinding out game with Houston, you barely pull out win. And the next day you got to play the Spurs, you're probably going to lose that game. That's what happened in Stanford. They had a grinded out overtime game at Oregon late Saturday night. And you got to turn back around, fly to the East Coast the very next week and play Notre Dame. I just think that's a scheduling mistake. Um, I know sometimes you can't control the schedule, but I wouldn't have set it up that way. I would have preferred to. You know, give your team a chance. At least have a bye week or play somebody else. Play one of your non-conference teams in between Notre Dame and Stanford. I mean, to play at Oregon, at Notre Dame, back-to-back, that's just retarded. It's just like there's no way in hell I would do that if I was the AD or David Shaw. It's, you, you're not going to win. They almost lost both because they barely beat Oregon. So it's no way, man, you're going to play a tough game like at Autzen Stadium, very tough place to play. Then you got to go all the way to the East Coast and play Notre Dame. Now, it would have been different if Notre Dame was playing at Stanford. You would have been at home. But to go all the way East, if a tough game like that, there was it was no way they were going to win that game. So now it just, it's all about Notre Dame. In Ohio State, Notre Dame, Georgia, Alabama, these are the four teams that's in the driver's seat. We're more so slash Alabama, Georgia. Oklahoma, Oklahoma, Alabama slash Georgia, Notre Dame, and Ohio State. These five teams are in the driver's seat right now. They control their own destiny. 
you know, well, and I'll see even say slash Oklahoma slash West Virginia. Those are the teams. If they went out, they're in. If they handle their business from here on out, they're in the college football playoffs. No question about it. If Notre Dame wins out, they're in. If Ohio State wins out, they're in. If Clemson or Georgia wins out, they're in. And if Oklahoma or West Virginia wins out, they're in. That's it. Those are the only teams that's in the driver's seat. Everybody else is kind of like, you got to wait on something to happen. You got to wait on one of those six teams to lose, to jump back in. That goes for Washington. That goes for, you know, LSU, really. I mean, I guess you can say LSU. If you want to throw LSU in there, fine. I guess if they went out, it, they, they'll make it too. But the Miamis of the world, the Washingtons, you know, the Stanfords, you know. Uh, well, I kind of think Stanford's out. But Washington, definitely. Um, you know, Texas, uh, Miami. Um, these these kind of like one-loss teams. Michigan. I mean, I guess you can say Michigan and Penn State. Um, I, 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 I would say Michigan and Michigan State also. Michigan State wins out. They can get in. Michigan State wins out, they're in too. If Michigan wins out, they're in. If Miami wins out, they can get in. Clemson as well. And I got my thoughts on Clemson. Well, I'm going to jump on Clemson now. Um, if you know, if everybody knows now, you know, Kelly Bryant bounced. Uh, Dabble Sweeney announced Trevor Lawrence as the full-time starter for this past Saturday's game when they hosted the Syracuse Orange. Syracuse, I love what um, Syracuse is doing. Um, a lot of people kind of think it's a gimmick, but listen. Syracuse, they're coming. They, they've been winning some big games, and ever since probably the... the um, the late 90s when Paul Pascaloni was there and they were kind of like the first ones to kind of run the RPO but they weren't doing it in shotgun at that time you know when they had like Marvin Harrison and Donovan McNabb they were kind of doing what college football doing was doing now but they were just doing it from under center you know with the whole run pass option thing offense the spread offense the screens the it, it was it was something to see and they and they had the running back I mean they had the quarterback in Donovan McNabb to execute it um but you know Syrac- Syracuse football you know coach Babers has done a great job now, I'm not saying that they're um, a perennial contender now that they've gotten back in the mix but they're they're a team that you have to respect now. They're a team that, you know, if if you if you're not careful, if, if you're not, um, how I want to say this, if if you, if you don't if you don't come to play, they'll beat you. They're, they're at that level. They're they're not like good yet. They're kind of like above average. If you play your A game, most of the top ten, top fifteen teams can beat Syracuse. But if you take them lightly. You don't play your A game, they will, they can beat you. So that's where they're at right now. So I, I like shout out to Coach Babers. You know, I, I like what they're doing. So, you know, uh next week, um, you know, we have the two big games. Uh you know, and we had two top ten games. Um 
the Michigan Wolverines. Before I get into NBA, I, I guess we can talk about Michigan. I suppose. Um, Michigan played at Northwestern. I believe some of them had them um, 15, 16 point favorites, which was not a, a stretch that was very doable. Um, but they did not, you know, they got the win, whatever. I mean, it's, it's better than losing. It's better than going down to Evanston and losing to a very, very horrible. And here's the thing about the game. And I love Pat Fitzgerald. I really like the fact that he's a Northwestern alum. He played there. He played in the Rose Bowl under Gary Barnett. Tough guy. You know, I, I really think Pat could play, could coach in the NFL. I think he's that caliber. You know, he, he works with what he has. And he, he and that's the whole point. You know, this it's not a lot of hoopla. They just line up and play, man. You know, and I, I have to respect that. And really, that's to me what's mis- missing here in Michigan. It's just too much patting themselves on the back too much of this bullshit of entitlement and how great we are and it's when we're not seeing this shit on the field and it's just just this denial of what and who we are i think is the problem and why we keep getting housed by ohio state every fucking year is because we're not honest there's there has not been an honest assessment of what's going on in Ann Arbor and until that happens I I just don't think we'll ever see an elite program here I I just don't see it happening Um, we're in this world that you know everything's okay we'll be fine We're, we're working on it that has to change. I was very glad to see Coach Franklin's reaction after the game. He didn't bitch. He didn't whine. He took ownership of what happened. And he says, we're going to be elite. We're going to be. That's what we strive for every day. And I'm sure Michigan does, but he knows where he's at. That was a very honest statement of what he said after the game. That was a very honest statement as to what what Penn State is, okay? What James Franklin said after the uh, after the Penn State Ohio State game that was honest. I mean, that was honest. Let me see if I can pull that up for you guys. Because I'm, I'm seeing the... I just want to kind of get that clip. But while, while I'm getting that... Uh, hold on a second. Hold on, here we go. to an elite program 
is going to be just as hard as the as the ground and the and the distance that we've already traveled. It's going to be just as hard to get there. Scratch and claw and fight. And right now we're comfortable we're comfortable being great. And I'm going to make sure that everybody in our program, including myself, is very uncomfortable because you only grow in life when you're uncomfortable. So we are going to break through and become an elite program by doing all the little things. Lose by one point this year, lose by one point last year. You make that up by all the little things. By going to class consistently so the coaches don't have to babysit you. And we can spend our time developing you as men and as people and as players and not be babysitting little things. And don't get me wrong, our guys do a great job going to class, but there's two or three guys. It's all the little things. It's all the little things that are going to matter. And we are going to find... So, uh, you... <laughs> You you got the point of what he was saying, you know, and, and he's right, and and that's been Michigan's problem, you know, since Jim Harbaugh has taken the helm. Yes, the the program has been a, a vast upgrade since he has taken over. And I've I've seen it in recruiting, I've seen in the level of athletes. Uh, we, we're having guys drafted into the NFL. Uh, we're now starting to see the high, you know, the. the the, the elite quarterbacks being brought in. Uh, we still have not been able to get any great running backs just as of yet. And that's no diss to Karan Hickton or Chris Henry. It's just uh, that we don't, we have not gotten the stud, you know, Bradley Chubb, Swift, DeAndre Swift, Sony Michelle, you know, Miles Sanders, you know, Weber, you know, J.K. Dobbins. You know, Jonathan Taylor, we have not gotten that type of running back just yet. But everything else, especially on the defensive side, I have to give Harbaugh credit. I mean, when I was watching that Northwestern game, Quiddy, you know, I seen Quiddy Pay coming in for Rashawn Gary, had two sacks. You know, um, the defensive tackles, can can we can do a little bit better in recruiting defensive tackles. I wouldn't say we're not elite. But, you know, Chase Winovich, Carlo Kemp, you know, Kalike Hudson, you know, I mean, Ross, you know, I mean, we, we see it. You know, David Long and Hawkins and, you know, uh, Ambry Thomas, you know, Aubrey Solomon. We've, we've seen it on defense consistently. Offense, we've still seen it more. You know, we got Nico Collins. We got Donovan Peoples-Jones. You know, we got Oliver Martin. You know, we got Tariq Black. You know, we, we developed Gentry. Gentry's a great tight end. He's going to play in the NFL. He's six foot eight. Um, I like Eubanks. Um, McKeon, eh, I'm not good on McKeon. I, I, I think he should, I, I don't think from this point on, we've seen it. He's just not doing it. And, and that's the problem. We, we've seen them get there, but they're not over the hump. And, and exactly what James Franklin said, the little plays, it's the little things that make the difference. You know, Northwestern, they're just not a talented football team. That was just pure coaching and them coming out with a lot of uh, fury, emotion, and they play hard for their teammate because you can't play anymore. 
They wanted it more, and they were the they outplayed Michigan and outcoached Michigan in the first quarter. Particularly, I would say the first 15 to 18 minutes of the game, it was just all Northwestern. They knew exactly what Michigan was going to do on offense. And on defense, they knew to where to attack. The bubble screens, the misdirections, the fade routes. Michigan has not covered the fade routes, the deep routes correctly. And they're going to keep doing it. They're going to keep testing the corners with very experienced corners that we've seen last year, which is surprising. And David Long and LaVert Hill. I mean, we've seen it. But for some reason, particularly in the safeties, they have not covered well the deep pass. I just I just don't understand it. And there's no, absolutely none, none of Northwestern wide receivers have any speed to think of. None. All they were running is slant patterns and deep fade routes down the sideline. When speed really isn't a factor because now you're throwing it to the outside and so now you're just hoping that, you know, a flag is called and that's what it's happening. So penalties, you know, holding in the secondary, you know, they got to get that. They have to get that cleaned up. You have to be able to get off the field. It's third and eight, third and nine. Obviously, the pass is on. First off, number one, you got to contain the quarterback. You can't let the quarterback leak out and run and get the first, get 10 yards. Number two, cover. You know, all these penalties. That's what prolonged drives, and they got to get off the field, especially since we have an offense that's not explosive. It's not shown any type of, um, you know, explosion. So it's even more so that we got to win third down. But, you know, they, they – so it was just how the, the mentality that they had coming out, you know, they, they didn't come out with the hunger that they did in the, in the, in the second half. They should have came out there from the very beginning – and they should have stomped Northwestern. They should have won that game easily by 30, 35 points. That's just how, that's just the talent separation between the two programs. There's no way we should have been down 17 nothing to Northwestern. But once again, we come out on the road, we come out flat. And I tell you what, if we do that to Michigan State, we're going to lose. It's going to be very difficult for us to get back in the game. We're going to beat Michigan State. I think we will beat Michigan State. We, let's just come out and whoop that ass right from the beginning. And that's what's missing. What's missing is the accountability and the and the honestness that James Franklin, which you just heard, of just knowing where you're at. Just being realistic. Saying we're not better than Ohio State. We gotta get we gotta get to where they're at and we gotta pass them. But we ain't there. And Jim Hallball needs to say that shit. Because that's the goddamn truth. We not. And I think if he says it, if that's the climate, if that's the atmosphere, it will fucking happen. He did it when he was at Stanford, when he was trying to take down USC. Do it here in Ann Arbor. Do it. What difference do it make? You're getting fucked up anyway. You might as well talk shit. But I digress. So, I mean... It's time to cut Shea Patterson loose. Um, I think that he has shown that he can be responsible. You know, he he was very he played very well uh, in the third 
in the third quarter, the fourth quarter. Very accurate. He made some great throws, uh, especially the one dropped by McKeon. And you know they they finally um, put Eubanks in the game, which which it, which I don't understand. It's like how's Jim Harbaugh not seeing that Eubanks is better than Sean McKeon? He's better. I mean, Sean McKeon cost us an interception in a Notre Dame game. He didn't he didn't go get the football in the Western Michigan game when it was an interception or it was the SMU. I can't remember which one. He didn't go get the football. In the Northwestern game on a very, very timely, timely third down, he had the false start. Then, even before that, he's wide open swinging to the sideline, and he and he drops it. Just clear drop. Wide open, nice tight spiral. It wasn't overthrown, and he drops the pass. He's not just, I mean, Gentry's the guy. I think you got to get him more involved. And you got Eubanks, man. The guy can get downfield. You know, so we got guys, man. We got Chris Evans. I think he needs to be on the field more, even when Karan Higdon's out there. Um... You know, I think Karan is doing phenomenal. He's doing what he can for what he has to work with. Uh, and, and I think you have to be more intentional about getting Donovan Peoples the ball and Gentry the ball in the red zone. I just, I, I'm not liking, the one thing that did stood out to me was the, the, the poor red zone play. I mean, we had the ball inside the 10 on three occasions. And we did not get a touchdown. Okay. That's very disturbing to me. There was no play dialed up for Donovan Peoples-Jones. None for Nico Collins. None for Zach Gentry. You got a guy 6'8", 6'3", 6'4". There should be no excuse as to why you can't get them the football. You know, when you're at the five-yard line. I mean, to just throw it up. To a Donald Peoples Jones, who's very athletic, just let him go get it. Why would you do a fade play to Grant Perry? Grant Perry's a slot guy. It's supposed to have been Donovan Peoples Jones to make that play. All you got to do is just toss it up slightly, and it's a touchdown. But I digress. Um, but Michigan offensively, that's just not going to cut it, man. Um, I want to see more up-tempo style. I don't, I don't like this, this slow, methodical style. It's hard to get in the rhythm. And even when they were down, it's just everything's slow. I mean, I even seen it in the in, in, the, in the Notre Dame game. I mean, Jim Harbaugh, man, he's just not – he's not an offensive coordinator. It's just – he is, but he isn't. You know, he just should not be making the play calls, man. Let Jim Malcolm Wayne, let, let him go down, man. Let him make the calls, man. Let Pip Hamilton make the calls. You know, just be the fucking head coach, man. You know, you, Don Brown runs the offense. Pick a guy. Go with Malcolm Wayne. You brought him in. Go with Jim Malcolm Wayne as your OC. Let him do the play calling. That's what should be happening. We should be seeing... Some of these younger guys are playing offensive line. You know, we, we have to get more explosive on offense. 
I think we can get by with Wisconsin. I think we can get by with Michigan State if we play a little better. When you talking about Penn State, Ohio State, I'm thinking you're going to have to score 30-some points. Minimum. Looking at it, and that's really, now that I saw Ohio State play Penn State, I, I would say 30, mid-30s. I think if you score 35 points, Against both those teams, thirty plus points, you win that. You'll beat both of them. You you will. But you got you got to cut Shea loose. But anywho, you know next week uh, is homecoming week. Uh, for a lot of good schools. You know, shouts all the HBCU schools that got homecoming. Um, you know, Michigan's hosted Maryland. Maryland's been playing very well. That you know they did beat Texas at home. So this is a team that we cannot take lightly. I think we have to come out uh, very early and, and play well. Let's just jump on them early. Let's get ahead. Let's get some of our uh, guys. We got a lot of guys injured. Let's get some young guys in the game. And we can get ready for Wisconsin. Because that's going to be a very, very physical game. So the easier and faster we dispatch in Maryland, the better. Um not too many um, other big games. I do believe Florida State is playing LSU uh, next week. Um, Wisconsin-Nebraska, I'm watching out for that game. I think that's the game Nebraska can win. I, I'm, 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 looking for, I'm looking at that game. That's going to be an interesting game. You know, I, I, don't ex- I wouldn't be surprised. Notre Dame at Virginia Tech. Um, this game is in Blacksburg. Uh, Notre Dame's flying high. They're playing well. But Blacksburg still is a tough place to play. So that'll be interesting. I'm not saying they'll lose. But this is, it's not going to be a, a, a blowout. Um, we got uh, Florida playing Vanderbilt. Who is LSU playing? I thought LSU... Yeah, LSU's playing Florida. Are they at home? No, LSU is at Florida. That might be an upset alert. That's going to be a very interesting game. Now, LSU LSU needs to win this game. I, I think now they got four tough games left. Possibly five with Arkansas. You never know when you play Arkansas. But now, let's say five. But you got Texas uh, A&M, you got Georgia, Alabama, and you got Florida. So I think, you know, LSU, nice 10-2 10, 10 season, get into a New York Six Bowl, that's very possible. But you got to win this Florida game because I don't think it's any way in hell you're beating Alabama or Georgia. Those are two losses right then and there. You might beat Georgia at home. Maybe. 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 But you ain't beating both of them. That's for damn sure. So, um, moving on to the NBA. NBA preseason has jumped off. Um, (laughs) 
And me and one time, we did a show last week, and we, um, we, we talked about, you know, LeBron going to the Lakers, it's going to be tough to make the playoffs, and some of the moves, you know, Minnesota, maybe they'll trade Jimmy Butler, I don't think it really makes a difference on the West, either way, but it can have an impact if he, obviously they're going to send him to the Eastern team. It was talks to him going to Milwaukee for Chris Middleton. Milwaukee kind of backed out the last minute. I don't know why. I mean, if I was Milwaukee, I'd rather have Jimmy Butler. But maybe they're thinking Jimmy Butler doesn't want to be in Milwaukee. But I think with Giannis and Butler, I think that's a great combo. But, you know, Butler, that would be close to him playing in Chicago. I don't know. They backed out of the deal. I would have did it. I would have done it. I mean... Chris Middleton, he's a great defender. Um, I think Jimmy Butler's a little bit of a better scorer, better ISO scorer, better closer, and I think um, he possibly would fit in better than Chris Middleton. But that's just my humbled opinion. Um, Toronto, I mean, Kawhi Leonard, I mean, huge upgrade for them. I love their bench. Just Kyle Lowry, man. I just, I'm not a big Kyle Lowry fan. I don't like moping, sensitive ass dudes playing sports. It's it's very irritating. You know, he gets very everything. He's very emotional guy. He's very talented. Kyle Lowry's a talented point guard, but they only go. They only gonna go as far as you know. They only go as far as he takes them. You know, if you want to beat Toronto, if you want to beat Washington, if you want to beat Philly, I mean, a lot of that's going to be dependent on Kyle Lowry. So we'll see. That's just my take on Toronto in a nutshell. We can go into all the other stuff, but it's, it's it's all on Kyle Lowry, as it always has been. He has not played well in the playoffs. He's had his moments. He's had some a couple of good games here and there, but you're supposed to. You're supposed to as a starting point guard for a team like that. But he, he has not dominated a series like he should, and that's what it's going to take. I mean, I think Van Fleet is a very great player, and I wouldn't have gave Kyle Ivory the money. I, I mean, I think that's a guy you possibly need to talk about dealing I'm just not big on Kyle Lowry, man. I'm just not. I think Van Fleet would serve this team better. And I think um, Toronto, they're going to be a team to be reckoned with. Uh, I think it's Toronto, Boston. Uh, I'm not big on Philly. I mean, you still have to shoot in this league. And that's why Philly could not be Boston, even minus Kyrie, because they can't spread the floor. And when you can't spread the floor... You can really key in on beep. You can clog it. You clog the passing running lanes, and that kind of sucks down. So I think they're still Philly, still a year away. So I, I I really think it's Toronto and Boston. There's no need to talk about the other teams. I mean, you know, Milwaukee, Washington, you know, Charlotte, uh, you know, the Knicks, Miami, Indiana. They kind of all in that same group, which is if what maybe type teams. You, you got two teams. You, you got Toronto and you got Boston. You got Philly kind of right there. Milwaukee kind of right there. Maybe Washington. But 
everybody else is just whatever. But it's the two top dogs to me are, you know, Toronto and Boston. Uh, you know, of course, LeBron played last night. You know, he played like LeBron, whatever. Um, going to this year, I mean, I've been watching a lot of these games. Um, I, I really like DeAndre Ayton. But I'm going to have to go with Marvin Bagley um, as my rookie of the year. I think he's going to have a huge year in Sacramento. Um, he's just, he's going to be a double-double guy. He shoots uh, free throws well. He's going to get to the line. He can hit. He can shoot jumpers. And that, that saves you. That saves you as a rookie. Uh, he's my pick a rookie of the year. I also like Jaron Jackson from uh, Memphis. I think he'll have a huge year. Uh, most improved player. I really like Niskauskas um, with Portland. I think that was that's a great, great addition. Um, also, Seth Curry going to Portland as well. Um, that's that's gonna be huge. But I think most improved. Um, man, you know I'm gonna go. Well, I can't really go to bias here. Uh, I'm I'm gonna go with uh, man. I'll say Stauskas, man. If he gets to start, you know, I'm gonna go with Nick Stauskas, most improved player, or maybe even Zach Levine. I'll go with Zach Levine from Chicago. I'm gonna go with Zach Levine from Chicago, defensive player of the year. I think Draymond might, but I just think they're gonna be so ahead in games. I don't think I, I think it's Gobert. I think it's really Gobert is gonna be defensive player of the year. Um, MVP. It's gonna be very interesting. I know they want to. Um, I know. I know they want it to be LeBron, but you know, now that I just really think about it. I really think it's going to be Kevin Durant. I just, I just think Kevin Durant is poised to just have a really freaking crazy breakout year, even a breakout from what we've seen. I just think this is. I think Kevin Durant is for the first time in his career. I think he's just at his utmost confidence. He's just supremely confident. And he and I and he's already played at a high level, but I think he he he's the first time we've ever seen him play at a level where he's just he's just um kind of like at that realization that he's the guy now. So, I'm going to go with KD. I'm going to go with KD, man. I think KD's going to have a huge year offensively, well as defensively. I think he's really has gotten comfortable in the Golden State offense. I think it's become his team now. I think he's comfortable to winning two straight championships. I mean, 
He's it, all the the burdens of being a winner, all that's behind him. Now he can just play. He can play freely. He's in a rhythm. He's in a groove. He's in an offense where he's gonna get respect as the guy. He's gonna get the basketball. He's gonna get a ton of open looks, especially when Demarcus Cousin comes back. And it's gonna be a wreck. I think this is gonna be a record-breaking year for Kevin Durant. I, I think Golden State is about to run roughshod on this league, man. I don't think we're quite ready for what Golden State has to offer. That's my opinion. Coach of the year. Coach of the year. I think Utah is going to take a tremendous step forward. And I want to go with Quinn Snyder as coach of the year. So, best record in the league. Could it be Boston? Possibly. Um, I'm going to go with Golden State. I think Golden State will have the best record in the league. You know, I think... um, I really think Toronto will be the the top seed and uh, on the eastern side. So, yeah. And when it when as we we get closer to the season, I'm gonna start breaking down um, some of the teams, you know, individually. We'll kind of do maybe 10, 15 segments on, you know, certain teams. I'm not gonna do all the teams. Um, I'm gonna break down certain. Players, certain rookies. I'm gonna do a rookie show. Some of the upcoming rookies and what I my thoughts on them. Some of the second year players and uh, my thoughts on their situations and how they're gonna grow. Um, and th- and then we're gonna get into each team. You know, I'm not gonna go over all 30 NBA teams. I don't think it's necessary, but I will kind of go into like the contending teams. You know, I think it's about. I think it's roughly about. Um, I would say five. I'll say it's about five teams that have a legitimate chance of winning a championship. I mean, legit. I think Boston has a legit chance. I think Toronto, um, if if they if they play, you know, if Kyle Lowry can ever decides realizes how good he is and get out his feelings and play, um, I, I you know, Golden State they're defending champions. Um, Houston. I think Oklahoma City has a legit chance as well. I think Oklahoma City is legit. I mean, those to me, those are only really five teams, I think, that, re- that really have a chance. I mean, everybody else, they just don't. And, you know, that's what this show is about. You know, we talk sports, just talk realistic, and which kind of brings me to a very, you know, important subject. You know, it's just, you know, we talk about the criminal justice system and how it affects, affects black men. You know, the prison system, you know, the, the the max sentencing, you know, the parole system, just just everything in general um, and how it relates to this economy, the marketplace, socioeconomics, um, you know, being black man growing growing up, you know, every you know, growing up, I wouldn't say the hood hood, but, you know, somewhat the hood. You know, um, middle class black neighborhood. Um, you know, we we saw a little bit of both. We saw a little bit of welfare. We saw a little people which in the in the, in the job force. But we have so many black men now that have been locked up, 
in jail. Um, a lot have a lot are going to be starting to get out in the next five years from, you know, those 15, 20 year bids. A lot of those guys that were my age grew up in the era I grew up in, in the crack era, got the 15, 20 year sentences, you know, back in the 90s, you know, early 90s. You know, it, it still kind of trickled in the early 2000s as well. It was still kind of around. A lot of those people that was born in the early 80s, late 70s, you know, my generation, um, they're, they're going to start to be getting out of jail now. They're going to be getting out of prison. You know, they've served their terms. And now what do they do in this in this technology era we have entered? You know, we have the industrial era. You know, IBM, Ford, and GE. We had the retail era. We had the corporate America era. Now it's the it's the technology era, and I think what the technology era has done is offered us as Black people a tremendous opportunity to take advantage of this open economy. I mean, there's opportunities, you know, right on our cell phone. And all you need is some hustle and consistency. You know, that's what I would, that would be my message um, to inmates. You know, have hustle, have some consistency. And that's all you really need. Because truth be told, if you're a felony, you've been in jail for 15 to 20 years, you're not going to fit into corporate America, more than likely. More than likely, they're not going to hire you. You're going to be limited to labor jobs. You know, not high paying. It's not. You're not going to make any tremendous strides. And not that I'm saying is you you couldn't start off with those jobs. But I recommend my brothers that's getting out to understand this internet, understand social media, understand marketing, advertising, and attention. That's all you need to be focused on. You know, you, we got the wholesaling game. I mean, you can literally get into wholesaling, bust your tail, and you can make it. You can make six figures monthly. You don't have to have a real estate license. All you got to have is hustle and grit. You can get into this construction game. You can be your own entrepreneur. You can get your credit fixed. You can learn a game of LLCs. Setting up your business properly, learning a skill, you get you, you find some family members of people, you open up a restaurant in your community, and you're off to the races. Tattoos, you know, nail salons, wherever the case may be. Selling fish, selling chicken, mechanic shop, body shop, tire shop, real estate. It's all there for us. You know, if if we get on the phone. We use this phone. We use social media. So be intentional. We can make it happen. And that's something uh, I'm going to be talking about on the next broadcast, uh, on the next one. Um, you can follow me on Instagram, 313 Real Estate, um, as well as my other one, uh, Hyperion Capital, which is my business lending program. Um, There's going to be a lot, lot more content on to how you can get funded um, understanding credit, understanding, you know, what it takes to get business funding. Cause a lot of us believe that, you know, business funding is just out of our reach and it's not for us. And it's absolutely for us. This is the time 
to actually jump in. This is the time to to, to get into it, you know, to, to get into that space, you know. Um, so look out for my YouTube channel. It's the Bag Talk on YouTube. Um, I'm doing a credit series with my cousin right now. We're kind of going over credit basis. I'm helping him he get his business lending. So it's a lot of information you can learn from that. Uh, a lot more wholesaling and real estate videos coming your way. Uh, a lot more just business um, acumen. I'm uh, doing a series based off my book, Making Excuses to Succeed. I'm going to be reviewing every chapter. Um, then a preview of my next book that's coming out this year. So uh, I want to give information as well as the uh, back, back Talk um, video podcast, which I have my next guest on this week. So uh, look forward to that. I'll be announcing that soon. That's who my next guest is going to be. That's going to be on YouTube as well as Facebook. Um, available for you guys. So just stay tuned um, for all my content. Don't forget to follow me on Facebook. Um, the Bag Talk um, page um, on Instagram. It's Mr. 313 Real Estate and Hyperion Capital. And also the Bad Talk on YouTube. So, uh, next week, we'll get into um, another week of college football. You know, what the hell's going on with Michigan? And then we're going to get into a little bit more financial literacy. And um, we're going to get into some life insurance game as well on this next podcast. So, stay tuned.